Welcome to Systems Meet Humanity, shining a spotlight on the intersection where business structures meet emotion. I'm your host, Marina Darlow. Let's dive in. The treat for this episode is Mark Guberti. He's an author, entrepreneur, podcaster, and public speaker with fewer years on earth than most people have of business experience. Don't let that fool you. He's a social media influencer with half a million followers that helps people grow their online businesses. He wrote and published 19 books before turning 20. In 2014, Mark also won the People's Choice Rule Breakers Award for teaching on a college campus before attending college. On his podcast, Breakthrough Success, he had the privilege of interviewing Seth Godin, Neil Patel, Mike Michalowicz, and many other incredible guests. Oh, and me too. And now he's joining us for an episode of Systems Meet Humanity. Hi, Mark. I'm super excited to have you here. I'm really impressed by what you do out there in the world and how you condensed the amount of achievement that you did into like the ridiculously small amount of years. Thank you for having me on your show. So in this episode, I want to talk about content marketing because this is one of Mark's forties and hopefully he's going to illuminate some of the gnarlier issues. So let's start with this. Marketing is emotionally hard, especially for people who are not white seasoned in business. It's putting your name out there, it's exposure, it's opening yourself up for judgment, it's the ability to face criticism, it's the ability to face complete indifference, like crickets. And there are many challenging facets to this whole huge topic, not just the content creation itself, which is you know hard in its own right, but just emotionally putting your articles, your podcast, your whatever out there. It could be cringe worthy. So Mark, in your experience, what is that you find the hardest thing about content marketing and how do you cope? Uh, The hardest thing is uh, just being able to do it every single day because like regardless of whether you're getting good results or bad results, you know you have to be doing it every single day to get those big results that you're going after. And it's easier for me to do it now because you have the results, you have the success, but when you're first starting out and you're not seeing thousands of people visit your content, let alone hundreds or even more than a dozen people visiting a single blog post, it's hard to create the content. Not a lot of people are going to be there. So when I was in that situation, I coped by reading a lot of content from success stories, people who went from like zero to 100,000 monthly visitors and other success like that. I just wanted to have a model, like a proven concept that, hey, this is possible. And I feel like once we realize something is possible, when we have that model in front of us, it's easier for us to put in the work, even though we may not be getting a lot of results in the beginning, but those do come over time. The results actually get a lot easier over time as well. Care to name a few favorites? Who do you particularly remember reading? Uh, Jeff Bullis was a big, uh, like, I, I read so much of his content on uh, Neil Patel, Kim Garst, those be the three who, like, I read the most of their uh, content, especially when I was just starting out. I read their content to this day, but especially a lot when I was just getting started. Okay, we'll put the links 
to their websites in the show notes. And now that you teach content marketing, you do content marketing for other people, am I right? Uh, yes, I act as a uh, coach. I do some hands-on stuff, but the majority is that I act as a coach. What would you say is your client's biggest challenge? Uh, one of the things that people have the biggest challenge on, and I see this with clients too, is they have like they see all the different opportunities. They're trying to figure out which ones to do and how to leverage as many of them as they can. So it's like, how do they get that new piece of content to get more traffic? There are so many ways there. It's Twitter, there's Facebook, so many ways to do it with Facebook alone with that, like organic ads groups. So there's so many ways to drive traffic and make revenue. What exactly is it that I need to focus on and where exactly do I need to be putting in the time to get the results that I need to do? So I feel like uh, we understand that there are so many different ways to create content, to promote content, it's just coming up with the best match and being able to grow the audience. So how do you find it? Like, what do you say? Say I come to you as a client and I'm like, they're all these shiny objects. I can tweet. I can do YouTube videos. I can pour my heart out on Facebook. I could do serious LinkedIn articles. I could go out in the street and hold big signs. How do I know what to do? What do you recommend? Like, I have my own ideas, but I'm curious what you do in this situation. Well, in the long term, you want to be on all of them. And I feel like we all get the idea in the long run. We want to be on Facebook. We want to be on Twitter. We want to be on Instagram, YouTube, Pinterest, all of them. Because you see all the top influencers, they're on all of them. But in the short term, you just can't do that. There's not enough time in a day to be able to use all the social networks and be able to create content and do all the other things like an email list, which is really important. So I would say use a few of them, like maybe three to five. And uh, once you dabble around enough, just focus most of your time on the one to two that you feel like you're going to master, have everything you do, uh, get people to your email list. That is the most valuable asset you have. Like the email list converts way better than social media. So Use the networks to drive people to your email list. You start making revenue from that list. And there's a point where you can delegate some of the tasks within the one to two social networks that you do know, and you could begin to expand. Like, let's say for you, do you really have to be uploading videos, writing descriptions, scheduling videos, putting in tags? Like those are things you have to do for a video, but those are things that can be delegated and you can delegate a lot more things as you provide the right instruction and once you know the social network yourself. Okay, so this brings up two more questions, actually. First of all, thank you for this response, but three more questions. So first, how do you pick what to focus on, right? Okay, so let's say I need to pick two or three. How do I pick them? How do I know? You got to find the combination of something you enjoy doing and something where you see the results are coming in. So for me, I went all in on Twitter because that was something where like, I, it's something I enjoy. It's something where, hey, I see the results coming in. That's why on Twitter, like, I'm approaching 450,000 followers while uh, the second most popular social network I have is Pinterest, which is almost 50,000 followers on that one. So I just put in a lot more time on Twitter than the others because I enjoyed it. But now I'm expanding into other social networks. Like I have the audience on Pinterest, as I mentioned, playing very big on Instagram with promoting my podcast and some of the other things that I'm working on. And LinkedIn also I'm being able to play a little bigger on because I was able to master Twitter and I was able to do really well on Pinterest. And now I'm able to delegate some of those tasks and some of the other things that happen in my business as well. 
Okay, so now we're talking about delegation. Do you have a specific point when you say, okay, now I can delegate? Because I know that people struggle with it because, because it's hard for them to formulate what exactly it is that they're doing. And you need to make it very clear for your you know, employee or freelancer in order to delegate. And many people avoid it just like they intuitively know what needs to be done, but they can't wrap their head around of, you know, making a manual. That's one. Two people avoid delegation because it's my baby and nobody can do it as well as I, because it's an ego thing. People avoid delegation because of fear. And we're not even talking about kind of lesser reasons. So if you can indicate, if you point her saying like, you know what, when you are at X followers or when this happens, it's kind of a sign that you might want to delegate. Can you say anything on the topic? Um, if you feel like you are only pursuing a small amount of opportunities and you feel like there are certain things that they're just so easy to do, they're very simple, and you're looking at other things. So it's like when I felt like I was doing really well on Twitter, I knew that I shouldn't only be growing on Twitter. I knew, okay, I need to expand on Pinterest and other places. And when you want to pursue something new also, because there's so many opportunities there for the taking, we want to grab as many of them as possible. But the only way you can grab more opportunities and leverage them is to delegate. So like Breakthrough Success, which is my podcast, that is like a whole act in delegation. Uh, like show notes are delegated, audio editing is delegated. I'm at the point now where finding guests for the show that has also been delegated. So I'm just delegating so many different things in that show. And if I didn't, Breakthrough Success would not be a thing. And uh, like a lot of other things that I'm doing wouldn't be able to happen. So uh, I think when you're at that point, okay, like what's the uh, like indication that I need to start delegating? Um, I feel like it's when you feel like you're settled, when you feel like you've hit a plateau and you're at a point where in order to really pursue a new opportunity, like Instagram TV is a new hot opportunity. In order to pursue something like that, you have to give up a few things. And if you are in that position or if you feel like you're not really moving that much more forward, that's where delegation comes in. Like I could very easily write show notes, like contact guests. And I contacted guests for a very long time for the show, but it's something that uh, like those extra 30 minutes to 60 minutes a day can be used to do other things and have a bigger impact on my brand. So they add up, they add up. Yeah. Yeah. So the keyword here, I want to emphasize it for our listeners is when you plateau, when you feel that you reach a certain point that you're kind of happy with, but you're not growing anymore. Is it regardless of whether you want to grow in that direction that you delegate? Or is it if you want to grow further? Well, I guess, I guess it's probably both right? Sometimes it could be like you want to grow further, like in the case like, okay, I want to grow the podcast more. In other cases, it could be like I delegate, and I'm choosing podcasts as a scale because that's me. Uh, like that's what I delegate the most, but like you could delegate the podcast so you have more time to write books. So sometimes it's to grow in one area even more. Other times it's to pursue something else. That's an awesome, awesome, awesome advice. So when you plateau, that's probably a sign that a good idea to start delegating because you want to grow either in the same direction or in other directions. Yes. And uh, I just wanted to further that a little bit. It's when you plateau, like uh, Marina did a great job of emphasizing that, but like, if you don't feel like you've plateaued, like you don't want to delegate too early either. 
because then that's like a lot of money that you're losing and it may not be necessary. Yeah, yeah, because that's, I come across it pretty often in my work. Do I delegate? Do I outsource? Do I automate? That's the next question. Or do I just keep doing things myself? Right? Never mind that delegating is another can of worms because, you know, it's kind of intuitive to delegate out menial tasks. You know, somebody to do your editing, somebody to do your scheduling. That's regular VA stuff. How do you delegate your writing? Like I have a client who hired content writers and it was a huge process because she wrote all her content herself up until this point very successfully. Mm. But now she has a manual for her writers, for her blogs, multiple blogs, and they do it for her and it's still very good. So it's, you know, emotionally hard. But you know what? Another topic that everything you said brought up about these multiple platforms, how do you feel about tools for distributing your content to multiple platforms at once? Stuff like Hootsuite and Edgar, which is my personal favorite. Now there are a lot of competition for this thing, so I don't want to throw out any more names because the Hootsuite and Edgar are probably the best known at this point. How do you feel about that? I feel like that's it's uh, one of the best platforms you can use to save a lot of time. I'm big on Hootsuite, so like Twitter, Instagram, and I believe they recently did Pinterest too. So they have a lot of the options already built in. It's a place where like instead of logging into Twitter, logging into Instagram and all of them, you can do it all on Hootsuite. And I feel like we use these things to schedule our content. They're also great feeds. So instead of going on Twitter.com, you just have a feed of people who have engaged with your tweets. And the reason that's important is because on Twitter.com, you see the trending topics section. You click on one of those things and you are on Twitter for quite a while. The purpose of a social network is to keep you on their site for as long as possible. So using uh, something like Hootsuite and Meet Edgar, not just for the scheduling piece, but also for interacting with your audience, getting the info you need instead of all of the tweets, all of the Facebook posts that. So you don't get sucked in exactly. into the platform, but rather it helps you limit to the important things. That's actually really, really valuable information. And I'm probably going to make it into a tweetable in the show notes because this is a kind of unusual approach to, I'm not even sure what they're called, these tools, the Hootsuite and the Edgars. Do they have a name, like a general name for them? Like I would just say social media management tools, something like that. Social media management tools. So yeah. So that's actually especially important for my ADHD listeners because there is a subset of people specifically ADHD gifted and they have more of a struggle to not get sucked into the rabbit hole of social media. So use Hootsuite. Edgar, by the way, doesn't have it. No, Edgar is very good for scheduling on multiple platforms. It has a wonderful feature that does variations for you. So you can schedule different updates you know, at once with different variations, but it doesn't let you just see who liked it, who commented. It's not there. Maybe it will be. Coming back to the fact that you started out exceptionally early and you've achieved remarkable success by the time most people barely, you know, finish their college applications. Let me ask you, what emotions factored into your business goals? Because I think you must have business goals when you started out. I can't imagine that you didn't. 
That's a really good question. Uh, I would say that the emotions I were thinking at the time were, I mean, just like a goal that I wanted to accomplish, like just like getting a goal in soccer or anything like that. Like you uh, set a goal for yourself, you want to accomplish it. I think part of the rationale, like the emotional thing that went into my goals, because I always knew I wanted to be something special. I didn't know how it was going to happen, but I knew I wanted to like not be ordinary. So I decided to set extraordinary goals, I guess, due to that long held desire of mine. So I think that's why like a lot of the goals, like I set really big ones. And I started with five year goals since then I've set like shorter goals to uh, entice more action. But with a five year goal, it's like, there's so much that you can do in five years. Like there's a uh, Bill Gates quote, I think it's like you underestimate what you can do in like, no, you overestimate what you can do in like, it's either 10 months or one year, but you underestimate what you can do in 10 years. So like with five years, like you can give yourself like these really big goals. So I think that part of that really helped me out uh, in the beginning and just having that emotional desire to do something really special. So the emotion in question was the desire to stand out. Is that what it was? Or was desire to make an impact? Yes, desire to make an impact. That one is uh, like... I mean, that's a better way of explaining. I always knew I wanted to do something special, but like, like in a way that helps people also. So why content marketing? Uh, content marketing, I mean, it, that kind of happened by accident. Uh, I'm a New Yorker, as we mentioned before, but I am a Red Sox fan. So that's a really horrible mix if you're trying to make friends with sports fans. So I used blogging to connect with Red Sox fans that turned into let me get more traffic for this thing, which turned into content marketing. So I blogged about the Red Sox for a while just as a hobby. And then I wanted to dig deeper into like, how do we get more traffic? How can I help people grow their online business? So it really started from that, but then it expanded into content marketing. That's a really cool story. And do you now feel comfortable doing content marketing or there's still this little tug of putting yourself out there or you're like completely over it now? I mean, I'm completely over it now. I mean, like when you do hit the publish button the first time, like, yes, it's a little scary. Like I like for the first book, when you hit publish, it's scary. Even for the first blog post or the first anything, the first tweet is a little scary. My first tweet's horrible. Just so like everyone knows, like the link doesn't even work anymore. Yeah. It was like, you just got to, there's advice you can give about like conquering fear and stuff like that. You really just got to do it. Even if it's something that, for like maybe your first tweet or your first post, like you just publish something, even if it's just like 10 words, 100 words, just to get in the act of publishing. Because once you hit that publish button, you have just a single piece of you on the web. It's so much easier to do more and more. It's more, especially when you enjoy it. So when does it stop being scary? Um, It's different for different people. Uh, For you? I mean, okay, for me. So I would say that it stopped getting scary, like actually very early because at the beginning I was actually getting no traffic. So there's no real pressure. It's kind of like you're, I mean, blogging was an online diary. Like that's the origin story for blogging. It's just an online diary. And now we have like content marketing, and but really it was just an online diary. So um, I was really fine with publishing content. I got some people like, Ooh, I have some people viewing this. And again, for me, it was to connect with Red Sox fans. So uh, comments from Red Sox fans meant a lot more to me because again, New York, all Yankees fans, some Mets fans. So 
I feel like I might have been, I was looking for the traffic and looking for the comments in a different sense, not just from a business standpoint. But to actually connect? Yeah, to actually connect. So I don't feel like I was very, uh, like, I feel like once I had to publish first, I was fine. Cool. So you brought up something in the beginning of the interview that I want to circle back to before we have to wrap up. When I asked you what the hardest thing in content marketing, I was not expecting your answer. And you said that the hardest thing is actually to do it consistently, to do it day in and day out. And I wonder, so you talked a little bit about delegation, but could you suggest an overarching system that you swear by in order to maintain the consistency and drive forward your success with content marketing? I mean, each system is going to be different for each individual, but there are certain themes uh, within each system. You have a uh, system in place for promotion, which is really key. So for each new piece of content you come out, you can write up for social media posts, have someone else schedule those posts and provide the links for email outreach, something that I've been doing really well for because one of the things with podcasts is you want to connect with the person you have on the show when it comes live and give them the link. That's something that it's hard to do all the time. Like in my case, I come out with five shows a week, so it's not episodes a week. So it's not necessarily something easy to do. So I recently had a problem with my email. While it was bad, we came across something really awesome called Spark. And uh, that's another email management like Apple Mail or like any kind of mail. But the great thing about that is you can schedule emails uh, to go out at certain times. So what I do now is after I interview someone, I just write the email like, hey, your episode is live. And I give them the link that I know it will be. And then I just schedule that email out and they get it. So promotion is just something that I would really look to do. Because that's a really big piece for the content marketing. You have a lot of content marketers where a lot of them are really enjoy creating the content. They just don't want to market the content. So aren't we all? Yeah. So like delegate the one that you are weaker at, but like, you know, some of the stuff that's going on, like you don't want to delegate, like, let's say creating a virtual summit and you have no idea how to create a virtual summit. So I'd recommend just starting by, if you're first delegating, delegate the things you already know, but you may not be consistent with it. So to sum up, When you talk about your system to stay consistent, it leans heavily on a process for promotion. Yes. Because it seems like creating is not an issue for you. Like just do it joyously and happily and it just kind of comes naturally to you. And also the second pillar is delegation. You again, process, but a process that you delegate out. Exactly. And that, that helps you being consistent because in a sense, you outsource the consistency or this part of it somewhere else and have them worry about consistency. You just pay them. I like that. I like that. Ha. Huh. After this episode airs, we have a special perk for the listeners. Mark and I are running a free training on Wednesday. It's called how to be 10 times more productive doing your digital marketing. It's going to be really cool and comprehensive. We'll be teaching how to expand your audience by following influential people in your niche and following their followers, how to master Pinterest and LinkedIn, and also how to leverage podcast to grow your following. Mark is a leading expert in digital marketing, so you don't want to miss his expertise shared for free. 
Since that already sounds like a lot to do, our training also includes advanced productivity hacks to help you make the most of the time you've got. I'm going to teach how to approach this highly charged topic of putting your name out there as a project with a start, an end, and metrics for success. Because knowing that you're doing it right reduces anxiety and therefore explodes productivity. And we'll be talking about tools and techniques to know. For example, how to create rituals that work to start and finish uncomfortable tasks. Because let's face it, the discomfort of putting yourself out there is the biggest reason people remain stuck. So if you want to sign up, go to systemsmeethumanity.com forward slash digital marketing productivity hacks. I know it's a mouthful. So systemsmeethumanity.com forward slash digital marketing productivity hacks. Or you could find a link in Mark's episode show notes. Again, at systemsmeethumanity.com. Ah, well, Mark, that was an exceptionally fun conversation to have. Thank you so much. Any parting words? For anyone who wants to learn more about me, go to my website, markgaberti.com. If you guys want to learn more about content marketing specifically, I just came out with an evergreen event, the Content Marketing Success Summit. It is virtual over 50 speakers are on and that can grow to 60 plus, 70 plus because it is evergreen. We can constantly invite more speakers to that summit. So the link to that for anyone interested is contentmarketingsuccesssummit.com. We'll put it in the show notes. Ah, all right. Thank you very, very much for being on the show. It was really fun to have you. We learned a ton and you're an inspiration. And for the listeners, thank you for being here. We'll see you next episode.